I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. All out of bubblegum. Hello, everybody. This is your old pal Paul here. Just a quick disclaimer before we get into the episode here. Um, I just wanted to warn everyone that there are some audio issues in this recording. It was mostly on my part. My computer was having an issue as far as communicating with the Skype recorder and the Skype call, and there was also some Skype glitching from the interviewees end. So I, I really apologize. I am just devastated over the fact that this was almost lost because there's a lot of great information here. So please uh, just hang in. It does get better after about uh, the first quarter or so, and a lot of the uh, it's a lot of crackling. I tried my best to clean it up, but it does get better. So just hang in there. I apologize. I think I have the issue fixed, and we should be back to normal uh, next time. Thanks. In this savage land, it is human nature to hate and deceive. We are not God's creatures In this savage land A killer's a man In these stolen woods A beast is a woman For all of her charms She's beyond fulfilling this savage land she killed her man they call it original sin I call it instinct and wonder for all of your talking you destroy for thunder at hand in this savage land They call it original sin I call it instinct and wonder For all of your talking you'd sell your mother for sand In this savage land In these brutal fields The dead ain't forgiving through the night and torment the living in this sad 
return again. Uh, hello. Welcome to Who Will Survive. This is a, another special bonus episode, and uh, this time myself and uh, Marco are here. Uh, what's up, Marco? Hello. And uh, we uh, we managed to get a hold of uh, somebody who had made a, a movie that caught my attention through another friend's reference, and uh, was kind of making a little bit of a, a wave in the underground in the horror community now. And there's kind of a lot to it, so I kind of went out of my way to try and find somebody attached to this movie as far as uh, getting some more information about it and we ended up getting a hold of one of the directors of the movie Savage Land which came out last year I believe and that is uh, Mr. Phil Gidry. Hey guys how's it going? Hey uh, we are good. good. We're thanks good. for coming man. Yeah yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so first uh, well, let's talk about the um, when I was trying to find out uh, as far as who had made the movie, obviously the info is all there on, on IMDb and whatnot. Um, but I was having trouble finding a way to get a hold of anybody. So I ended up actually reaching out through the Facebook page for the movie Savage Land. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I sent them a message and said, uh, my God, I just saw this movie and I really need to talk to somebody about it. And who can I talk <laughs> right. to? And then a couple right. of days later, you had actually messaged me through Facebook. Uh, so is that uh, somebody that you, obviously someone you know that runs the Facebook page or are, are you in control of that at all? Or Yeah, the, the Facebook page is run by Terra Films, which is the distributor. Okay. So the company that distributed the film, Terra, runs the Facebook page as well as social media, so Twitter. And, uh, and I... I I believe there there are several other platforms that we've had a presence in the past, but primarily sure. Facebook and Twitter. But yeah, that would be Terra Films, who we partnered up with uh, about a year and a half ago to uh, to get the film distributed. So yeah, oh, okay. so you were speaking to Terra, and then they connected you to me, and uh, okay. lo and behold, here we are. Did they yes. uh, did they just like send you an email and they're like, hey, this fucking crazy guy is like bugging <laughs> us about talking to somebody. <laughs> Do you want to talk yeah, to that, him? Yeah, uh, you know it's weird. That's the verbatim phrasing of the. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, you know they, they've been they've been good about making sure that that the film stays out in the public eye and sure, sure. with fans and and you know like this was this was a grassroots movie and I think the promotion needed to be grassroots as well. So we, you know, part of the fun of making a film is being able to engage with people who see it and to to talk to people who who like the movie and even don't like the movie or or have questions about the movie and so. Tara was uh, was good about rolling the film out, and then we have continued the relationship, and um, and that includes you know outreach to fans and interacting with fans and connecting with fans sure. to make sure that uh, that we can keep talking about it. And I think I think it's a testament to uh, to the work that Tara has done, and also I think the film a little bit that we we continue about a year after the film is, was released, we continue to have a pretty healthy amount of interest in people who have connect, uh, connected with us and reached out who want to talk about it. So. Um, it's worked out well, and, and obviously, you know, we've, we've had a good partner with, uh, with rolling the film out because the way that they have done outreach with fans and, and websites and things like that connects with the way that we want to do it, which is this is not a film that you just drop, you know, into thousands of, of screens across the world and let it sort of find its way. This is, mm-hmm. this is one that requires uh, people to find it, and then you interact with them and, and engage with them. Okay, uh, you may or may not have heard that we had a little technical difficulty there, but we're back and we're rolling here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we were just talking about how I had reached out through Facebook and then you were telling us about the distribution company. Uh, what, 
what else have they like have you guys done any blu-ray or dvd releases or anything like that with it or is it just only in uh, the digital space right now it's it's only the digital space we went down that road and explored that possibility in several okay. markets um i think it, there are several foreign markets where dvd and blu-ray is more is more the kind of the preferred method sure um but but we we made a a, a collective decision and, and and i think any any filmmaker should with the distributor it should be kind of a shared process where you kind of agree on the strategy and what's yeah. best for the film and we we felt that the the, the way that this film uh was going to find an audience was going to be something that um you know it, it may uh it may progress at its own pace it may find an audience in more of a uh, yeah i mentioned earlier a grassroots in indie way and so we didn't feel like it made sense necessarily to go out with um a lot of actual physical hard products that would sit on shelves and would then have to be really pr heavily promoted right, right. and moved and everything else. And you know, the economics of the business changed dramatically. It seemed like every six months as we're going through this process, the trends were more toward one thing or another. And sure. sometimes it's DVD and blue sometimes DVD Blu-ray, sometimes it's digital only, sometimes it's a combination. And we ultimately decided that we thought digital specific would be the best thing for this film. Right. You know, we're not we're not ruling out any of that stuff uh, in the future if the film continues to perform and find an audience. Right. You know that may be something that we'd like to do because a number of fans have asked asked as well for 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 possible DVD or Blu-ray copy. Uh, but for now, the the way to see the film is digitally, and that's true here in the U.S., but also in foreign markets that we're rolling out to. So oh, that's good. No, I I think yeah, that's probably smart too because um, obviously with uh, with you guys are. You know, you, you don't have an established name yet, and you don't have, right. like, a big-name actor in the movie to be like, oh, you know, come see our new movie starring, you know, whatever horror icon or whatever, right. you know, known person Pretty. from, uh, a, you know, an action movie or something. So so I think that's probably the smart way to put that out, especially now with it sure. being on Amazon Prime. It gets it to more people, which only is just kind of helps build your reputation and gets more people to see the movie and talk about it and helps you down the road, I think, too, you know? Um, yeah, and and to that end, I mean, it's a good point, Paul. I mean, we we really our our goal was was to to have as many people see the movie as possible, but right. but also we we were realistic. You know, we knew this was not, as you said, this wasn't a movie with big name actors, partially by design because of the way we wanted to feel realistic and yes. documentary style, but also because of that that's the level of movie that we're making, and so. We were realistic. We did not feel like, oh my goodness, this has to open in theaters. This has to be in DVD. This has to be in every big mass market retailer sure. uh, in America. We just thought, let's put the movie out and, and, and let's let it find an audience. And, and our, the one thing that we really wanted, though, was we wanted it to be on the right digital platforms and you know, in platforms that, that people could find. And so Amazon Prime has been a good partner. iTunes has been a good partner in that regard. So that's really been the biggest thing is just making sure that it was out there. And and, and, and to be honest, at, at a low cost, it made sense for the movie. And, sure. and and I can tell you, it's it's worked out well for us so far, both in terms of the audience that we've been able to reach, but also, you know, like I said, the economics of this movie kind of dictated that we went that way. But I think I think sometimes the, the business side of the movie forces you to be creative just like the actual production of the movie does you know you, you do the first year handed whatever your set of resources are no matter how big or small and then you make it work within those resources in this case i feel like we've been able to make it work pretty well so it all kind of adds up to we feel like this is a digital movie and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the digital home is where it makes sense sure yeah I know that the question comes up like um, all the time because of being horror fans and stuff. We're also collectors. 
You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, it could yeah. be from small budget to big budget. We want that physical copy because that is uh, in our world and our and what we do is we like um it's almost like tape trading back in the 80s. We you know we're like hey check this out check this out or you know so that does come up and, and you're right like if you're not adjusting if you're not growing you're dying and you're finding more innovative and creative ways of of distributing your movie. So um as of now yeah dude like um it's great to have it digitally but um i'm hoping that i have a physical copy in the future but again let it let uh let the world soak this movie in because damn it's a wild ride mm -hmm. well I, I appreciate it mark and you know, you're right to be honest that's something that we want too for friends and fans and people who love the movie and so that's why we'll never rule it out and, and i can see well, right. if the movie continues to kind of to, to have the legs that it has and keep finding fans and finding a home and finding supporters then I, that's definitely something that we've not ruled out. And, um, you know, it's I, it's funny you mentioned the phrase wild ride because that 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 applies to not only the making of the movie, but but the <laughs> things that we ex have experienced just trying to get the movie out there and have it find right. a home. So, yeah, it's, oh, uh, sure. that's a fitting way to describe the whole process. Sure, sure. Cool. Uh, so before we talk too much about the movie itself, um, well, ha have you guys really done a lot of other like interviews or podcasts or whatever? I was kind of looking around and there wasn't there was a lot of reviews, but not so many interviews that I had seen talking about the backstory of the movie. There have been a few that, that was, again, a, a matter of both uh, convenience, but also partial design. We wanted the movie out there, but we, we actually entertained the thought at various times that while we may be able to get a few more people looking at it if we did more of a big media blitz, we also thought, you know, this, I, to be honest, at one point we thought, let's let this thing play out almost as if it was real or semi-real. Yeah, because as sure. you guys yeah. know, it's a documentary-style movie. Yeah, so we, in that regard, we actually thought at one point, let's do this entirely without doing interviews. Let's at least let this set up as if, if, as if it's a news event that's being discovered. And in the end, you sort of split the difference. And you do a couple of podcast interviews where, where it fits, um, but ultimately this, this film has really kind of has, has floated along on word of mouth and, and, and again, some, some good reviews certainly. Um, but, but one thing that, that was important to us from the start and most of the interviews that we have done, and there haven't been a ton, most of them have been with, with horror outlets and with horror fans, uh, for two reasons. And, and I'll give you like the big, the big happy reason, and I'll give you the more uh, nuts and bolts, gritty, realistic reason. Sure. The happy, re the happy reason is that we are horror fans, and 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 of course that's the market, and 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 that's the, the movie. and horror fans are the best as far as appreciating the spirit of the movie and and, and everything else. Right. So that's like the big happy reason, and it, that's totally true. The nitty gritty reason was when we have done interviews, most of them have been in the horror space because our film doesn't easily fall into the horror classification that many fans sort of understand and as they recognize it. It's sure. not really your typical horror film sure, sure. in many ways. It's a hybrid. And so Fair. because of that, we felt like whenever we did do the, the press that we have done, and again, it's been, it's, we've had to pick our spots, but when we've done it, we've wanted to kind of make sure that we talk to the horror fans because we feel like even though it's a little bit of an unconventional horror movie, that if horror fans would sort of give it a chance, that it rewards a lot of things they love about horror, maybe in a different way than they're used to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it definitely makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we uh, we tend to love the uh, hybrid movies. I feel like we cover yeah. a lot of stuff that's more kind of bordering on horror action or thriller or something like that than than anything else. But I feel like yeah, that's, and, that's and, kind and of we the love thing. that. Yeah, that's the thing you have to do nowadays too. Is like you can't, you know, everyone wants to kind of create a new thing, and so how do you create 
new stuff is by kind of mixing old ideas with new ideas and, and making kind of this hybrid thing as well. So, yeah. And, and t- t- I just want to touch on some on our, uh, curtail on that uh, comment was, uh, as me as a, as a huge horror fan, I do want to say that this is a movie that I've been waiting for for a long time. The way it hit me as far as being a horror movie in my mind um, and what you guys set out to do, this is, it's like, it, you're, you're right, it's not your typical movie. It's not your typical formula of like A to Z, well, this is how we make a horror movie. Um, right. And I was, and, and uh, I, I talk to Paul about this all the time. It's like, you know, my perfect horror film is something where it's you know again more a little more drama but like a monster film and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. uh before we get into the like i said we're going to get into it the movie but yeah this is it's it's speaking to horror fans i think uh maybe more than you're expecting uh which is great you know um yeah yeah yeah, because well, I, I, def- like I said, this is it, yeah. the movie I, I've been waiting for. Really, it has, and and we'll get into that more. So, well, it's, it's good to hear. And there's one thing that that I do have, have to say about horror fans, and and uh, you know, this 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 is not. I, I'm not gonna. I don't want this to sound like I'm praising my own film here, but one thing that that I sure, really sure. believe. Mm-hmm. One thing that I really believe about horror fans. Go on, sure. And, and and right, and hopefully that's part of why I like to think that this is resonating, is mm-hmm. that. I think horror fans are the most maligned audience in movie going in terms of in terms of dismiss um, like to dismiss the genre in some ways. Of course. Yeah. In term in terms of the conventions of the genre, right? It's got to be blood, and, and there's a lot of these things that I think people who aren't horror fans don't understand. But what we have always believed, and we made this film with this in mind, and I believe this more now than even before I made the film, is that. Horror fans tend to be the smartest, most sophisticated moviegoers of any particular genre in film. You know, they they because a lot of horror, the best horror, is working on multiple levels. There's the scare and suspense and the shock value, but ultimately beneath that, at a very deep level, horror is always about something else. Other ideas. Horror, horror, horror is, is a genre about ideas to me, and yes. so. And so that's why we like the idea of making it a hybrid because we thought this is a way that you can explore lots of different ideas and, and tell a different kind of story. And that once once people got over the fact that it wasn't conventional in terms of the way it's structured or the way that it's made, mm. it's still going to hit hopefully a lot of those great beats that you want to hit in a horror movie, but but ultimately be about about ideas. So I think this yeah, this, yeah. this this to me I think represents the the audience hopefully being. You know, being being smart, sophisticated, because that's what we—that's how we assume horror audience. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think there's um, there's definitely a, um, a more of a, a patience I think that horror fans will have with with movies and even the stuff that um, that we like that's not necessarily horror. We kind of try to give it more of a, a comprehension and 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 just not. Uh, also within the community, I guess, just of uh, respecting each other's ideas and, and uh, you know, if somebody could say like, oh, I love your movie and another person could say, well, I don't like your movie, but right. let's have a conversation right. about it, not right. Just, Definitely. You know, Definitely. Try and, and I think I, a great so. example of that, obviously, this is on a bigger scale. I love I lo- I'm a big comic book fan and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the fact that we're in an age where we've got these great heroes from Marvel and DC that are on screen. But I know that there's a, there's a subtext where a lot of the fans who are diehards of one group or the other don't always see eye to eye on those films. And maybe that's just in kind of the sort of film Twitter sphere or whatever. But, you know, uh, to me, I just, 
I think you hit it on the head, Paul, when you said that the, the, the horror fans tend to kind of have a, like a kind of mutual respect, even if they don't necessarily love each other's movies. There's like a respectful sort of uh, consideration and dialogue sure. there. That We found that to be the case from start to finish with other horror filmmakers. We managed, managed to kind of interact with, with people mm-hmm. who have made horror movies or are writing horror films or want to, and the support that we got has been has been great. It's one of the most satisfying things about about uh, about this this whole process. So I th- I think that speaks cool. to to what horror fans and what sure. the horror genre is. I just I feel like for people who are outside that genre, it can be a misunderstood group of fans. When in reality, these are some of the most open minded, sophisticated moviegoers you're going to find. Cool. Sure. Sure. Uh, so what, what's your sort of history as far as uh, a horror fan? Like, were you kind of a lifelong fan, or is this more I, of a newer um, fascination for you? I would say my relationship with horror has, has ebbed and flowed based on times in my life, but one of the, one of the earliest film memories okay. I can rem- th- that I have that I still sort of uh, have any kind of real recollection of is I remember when I was, uh, when I was a kid and... This is a this is a, a weird anecdote. I'm about to reference two films <laughs> that I I bet have never been said in the same sentence. Okay. Uh oh. But, but yeah. So buckle up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in, in in very in, within a, a very brief time span, maybe a month. But I just remember this as being in, 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 in a brief time span. I remember watching with my family a, a TV miniseries called Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. And yeah. not a horror, not a horror film, although no. you know, obviously <laughs> horrific things have ha- happened to the main character, but not a horror film, right? right? And uh, right. I was raised in a Catholic household sure. and went to Catholic mm-hmm. school, and and so I watched the oh, we watched the miniseries at home, and and it was I think that you know it was it was a big hit miniseries on network television. We watched it, and and I, I remember thinking, okay, this is a moving story. This is a familiar story that I, I you know, I've been raised to understand it's a Bible story and Jesus, and it's very moving. And it was over, you know. He he he. Um, you know, spoiler alert: like things don't work out for him at the end of, at the end as a human. But obviously, you know, this is a this is a bigger story than just what happens in his life on Earth. But Perfect. so so the so the miniseries ends, and and I mm-hmm. sort of thought, okay, it's it's good. It was you know it was it was it was a, it was a good chunk of TV. And then not long after that, I watched King Kong, the original 1933 King Kong, and mm-hmm. and at the end of the film, when Kong dies. I bawled my eyes out. I, I just, I, I, I don't know why. I think I was so affected by the story and kind of sure. falling for this, for this monster that was so sure, three-dimensional sure. and real to me on screen. I remember my parents, who have always been very supportive of my love of movies and horror and, and creating and storytelling. I remember them kind of looking at me a little bit strange, like, let me get this straight. You, you didn't seem to bat an eye at the end of this miniseries when Jesus is crucified, but this ape is shot off the Empire State Building, and now here you are, you're a sobbing mess. Um, right, right. <laughs> so, again, like, I just remember that weird juxtaposition, and, and what, I, what I probably was reacting to was, was not so much what the stories were, but, but the storytelling. And, and so King Kong was, was a movie that, from a very young age, made an impact on me in my life. And, and not, not, maybe not horror in the traditional sense, but certainly one of the great classic monsters that I think has influenced so many. Yeah. Um, so, so, oh, yeah. so, so that's, that, that's, that's a film that has always kind of been, been a part of my life. I grew up um, in Louisiana and I grew up camping and, 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 and spending time with friends outdoors and, and ghost stories and storytelling on the campfire was always a big part of that. That was obviously something that I always loved. Um, sure. But, but I'll tell you that, but there's a film that, that, probably had as much of an impact on me 
as any movie I've ever seen. And this actual uh, movie watching experience affected me as much as any. So I was um, 17 or 18. I was a senior in high school and my family was out of town. So I was home and, um, you know, we, we lived in a two story house. It was not a small house. And, and I was in this big house, you know, staying there by myself. And so I invited a bunch of my buddies over and we were going to watch a movie. And there was probably four or five of us. You know, we're all we're all tough and bulletproof, right? We're all 17, 18-year-old high school guys. Like, sure. look how cool we are. Yeah. So sure. I invite them all over, and we watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. And um, as would okay. have it, it made such an impact on the people who watched it that instead of going home to their respective homes, they all stayed over at my house and crashed over rather than kind of head out at night and, at midnight and... Yeah, you know, we were. No one wanted to pretend that they were scared by the movie, but <laughs> but let's be real. Everyone was scared. sure. I was just I couldn't get it out of my head, and so that that's one that I think has also resonated with me. And so, I, again, I think it's been, if not a lifelong love of horror, definitely a a. It's, it's never been far away, is I guess the way right. to put it. You know, the first the first books that I learned to really fall in love with were written by Stephen King, and. Yeah, I'm hiding again. I'm Catholic school again. I'm hiding those books underneath my notebook in in class, right? As I'm reading Stephen King in class, and and you know, so really, yeah, yeah. And so those were always things that that were a part of my kind of pop culture upbringing. And so you know, and now I've got kids of my own, and they're a little young for these ghost stories, but they're starting to kind of get to that outer age where they can hear some of them. And it's just, I I think, I think there's a fun and a thrill that a good horror movie brings. And you know, it's like. It's like um, every Halloween, it's my favorite time of year, not just because of, 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 of the holiday itself, but because these movies are on. And so, you know, yes. it, it's, like, it's like an annual reminder of what I love about this genre. I'll get sucked into the very best and even some that aren't the very best. And, and you know, I can keep drawing upon that. And so, yeah, horror movies have, have always been, I would say, at various times, my favorite genre and others not far from the top. But it's always been, I would mm-hmm. say, been a consistent thread. And I think for my two fellow filmmakers, and, and, and we're going to talk a lot about them, hopefully, during over the course of this sure. uh, conversation as well. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think that they, yeah, yeah. they have also had various levels of, of love and connection to the genre. You know, I think if I had to speak for them, I think one is kind of an in-and-out horror fan, and it, but, but the other is a lifelong, deep, deep, deep devotee of horror as well. So we had a pretty good... Um, and, and long connection to the genre before we decided to make one. So definitely, definitely a film genre that... that sure, sure. It, I, I knew at some point I was going to make a horror film. And so that, that's, why, that's why this is such a satisfying experience. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool that you said, um, you know, about that your kids are kind of getting to the age where you can start to introduce them a little bit because I'm, uh, I'm approaching that with, um, like, my son is about to turn 12 and... He's he's been watching horror for long enough that he's pretty much right. to the point of where the gloves are off, and I'm letting yeah. him watch some pretty intense stuff because he's he's like an advanced twelve for right. Know, he started watching stuff when he was like seven. So and uh, you know we haven't gone full on right, uh, right. like I spit on your grave or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> yet. Baby steps. Uh, <laughs> right. He's right, definitely right. seen some movies with yeah. Well. It, uh, there's definitely been some movies that had a little bit of gratuitous right. sex scenes, and I'm like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, well two what, ladies what already better, seen it what now. What better so. education, though, for uh, a student 12 year old than through the lens of a horror film, right? I mean, I, yeah. look, it's funny because obviously, like, I mean, my yeah, kids yeah. Are, are close in age to your son, and so, you know, I, 
it, you know, you, you think about the things that we, we were exposed to as kids and what they are and what they learn about. But th- then I realized, you know, I grew up with these films and I feel like I'm reasonably well adjusted. Although people mm-hmm. who see Savage Land may or may not agree, but I feel like I'm pretty yeah, well adjusted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how bad can it be? It's fun. And I think <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the best part about horror, just oh, to yeah. kind of make one more point about the genre, the best part of it to me, you know, beyond the fact that it gives you this sort of excuse to talk about ideas and things that maybe people wouldn't sit there and listen to if it wasn't entertaining. The best part of it really is it's a release. I think that when you watch these films, there's a certain joy and, and I know it sounds twisted, but fun to, fun. yeah, to, to be able to, 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 to appreciate mm-hmm. these movies and honestly to be able to have a monster to personify, I think is a really, really, um, it can be a cathartic thing, you know. This is a world that is very scary and very complex, and things don't always boil down to, um, mm-hmm. to to black and white. They're not simple, but in a horror film, quite often they can be. And so there's a primal sort of joy that you can get out of out of the world of a monster. And so that that that's something that I think, no matter what the age of the viewer is, whether you're introduced to it when you're 10 or 11, or if you're an adult and you come across these films, I think that's right. something that, that endures. And that's one of the things I love about horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know, you, you know, you got to yeah, know absolutely. right from wrong and you teach your kids what's right and wrong in the real world. And then, of course, this is entertainment. And the like what I was talking to Paul a long time ago was like I cater to things that I uh, don't want to see daily drama because that's what we see every day. I want to see someone to step outside that realm a little bit. And right. I know that horror and all the killings and everything. I know it's entertainment in the way of, of monsters. That's why I love it so much because I, I am thoroughly entertained by it. Um, you know, and it's just so important to keep that, that tradition going, especially with our kids and, and everything, you know, cause they know, they, they know right and wrong. Right. Right. Oh yeah. 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 And that's, my dad wasn't a huge horror fan, but he was more of like an esoteric film fan. So he would show me right. stuff like the shining and, uh, you know, more, um, more suspenseful and, and artistic type of horror movies, but still nonetheless horror movies for sure. And he always had respect for stuff like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And obviously, we have respect for that movie because that's exactly. our yeah. podcast is it's, named I after mean, the tagline. It's, it's, it's a classic. So. Well, and, and you know, the, the other thing is you, you mentioned your dad. My dad is, is probably traditionally an even bigger horror fan than me, and he's got a, he's got a grandson who is... Uh, sure just started grade school but he'll sit there with him and they'll watch the classic universal monster movies they've been they've seen them all they he knows creature from the black lagoon awesome. and, right. and the mummy and, yeah. and so yeah i mean and and so nice. one other film i i think that you know as we're talking and uh, clearly we could talk all all night long about the great horror oh sure movie. sure but 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 the yeah, other one yeah, and this will not be a surprise <laughs> if you've seen our film and know anything about it but uh another one that, that i remember watching with my dad uh, and it made a big impression on me was was of course Night of the Living Dead. I mean, I yeah, think, you, you, you know, it, it almost it almost doesn't even need to be said. Mm-hmm. But but I bring it up now because not only was it a big influence on the making of this film, but also that's one that I remember sharing with my dad. We watched the film. It was it was in the middle of the Saturday afternoon in broad daylight, and it was still scary as hell. You know, it yeah. was like mm-hmm. it, it it made an impact there. So yeah, I think oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, being able to kind of share these movies. I realize now as I'm making this that, that you know, it, it would be awesome one day if someone watched this film at an age where it made them excited about movies and excited about horror movies and kind of enjoying the suspense and creepiness in, in the way that I did. So hopefully, I mean, I think that's I think that's a goal for any filmmaker. It's, that's what you want to do. You want to 
you want people to have an impact in it, or you want them to be impacted and have a connection in what you do. So, yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. Sure, sure. Just um, you said Night of the Living Dead. Now maybe we can use this to to segue into the movie and then how you came about with your writing partners and your director partners. Um, sure. Did, did, have you seen the the remake of Night of the Living Dead? You know what? Um, uh, what was it 1990? I think it was. Yes. Uh, yeah. Tony Todd. Uh, Tony Todd was. Yes. The yes. Main okay. I've character. seen that. I, yeah. I've always said this. Okay. So I've always said this, and and uh, this dates back to our first podcast. I when I said the uh, Night Living Dead the remake is so impactful to me, and it's not even it's the end credits. The end credits have this slideshow of like a documentary going on of the zombie apocalypse going on um, as Barbara st- uh, strolling out and she's with the, all the, 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 uh, the farms people. And it's just showing like mm-hmm. bonfires of dead people and hanging from trees and stuff. So your film reminds me of the end credits. And I was wanted to ask if that was something that you saw or influenced your, your movie going, because again, your film Savage Land is a, zombie film but it's in that of course you you never see the the monsters but mm-hmm. it, and it's got these obscure uh, suggestions and all those things and it's just like and again it reminded me of the post credits for the night living dead remake uh and and i absolutely love that i was telling uh, paul this is like that just those end credits i i can loop over and over and over because i love that aspect of it the documentary or the documentation of what went on you know, well, so yeah, with, sorry, go, yeah, no, go. So I was just gonna, did, yeah. did that have any influence on you? So it, it, it did. In fact, there were there was a big stack of films that we all watched together with our entire oh, sort of creative okay. brain trust. Uh, the filmmakers, uh, you know, our DP, our editor. I mean, and and and, we, and that was that was one of the films that we talked about a lot. And and that sort of like that documentary sort of pastiche thing was definitely part of it. You know, I think mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, th- it was it, it was that's one of those sequences in a film that I think captures uh, that 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 perfect balance between it's satisfying the horror side, but also grounds it in a reality that we know. And yeah, yeah. and that that's 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 the sweet spot for us. That's mm-hmm. what made this exciting for us. So that's definitely one of the ones that we that we thought about and talked about. I mean, that's part of the fun of this as well when it comes to making this film is being able to kind of reference the films that we loved and and even even not just necessarily even full films but just sequences that we loved you know right there's i right. mean gosh the sequences that we referenced that was one that we referenced um there's portions of jfk that we want to reference oliver stone's jfk there's yeah, portions yeah. of um you know of uh, the thin blue line the errol morris documentary i mean there are mm. so many films that, that we kept wanting to sort of call back to and, and, and reference. And that was definitely one of them. That was absolutely one of them. And so it's good to hear that, that some of these references are kind of recognized by fans of the cool. genre. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, but yeah, we, we wanted, we wanted uh, a film right. that captured a lot of the influences that we had. And, and it's exciting that those were able to sort of come out in that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we always try to pick up those little yeah. things if, if they're there. I think Marco's a little better at it than I am because he, has a better horror history than I do, so he always he always well, has those little like I said. There's, there's certain things. movies in my head that I've always wanted to to see and be made, and I've always referenced that Live Living Dead post credits. And like I said, this is the movie that I've been waiting for. This is honest to God truth. This is a movie that I've been waiting for. Your movie, That's Savage awesome. Land, and uh, yeah, right. and, and I'm just and like when Paul, because Paul found it, 
he says, you got to watch this before he even decided to, you know, say anything. He's like, this, this right. is a great movie. And I'm like, you were absolutely right. So um, that's awesome. I love I love it. I love hearing. That. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm more of the cool. Uh, the, cool. I'm more of the, uh, the research <laughs> and development right. uh, the podcast. <laughs> I go and find the weird <laughs> ones. And I'm like, dude, 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 you got to see what's this. What's cool is, is not, I mean, maybe this is a good segue, but what's cool is it sounds like that what you guys are able to do with each other to create the podcast is not that different from what the three filmmakers did in the creation of the mm-hmm. film. So, that, I mean, that's that's part of the fun of this, too, was the, the way yeah, the collaboration yeah. worked. And, and that, that's kind of how the film evolved, too, is you get three different voices that were able to kind of come in sync and, and the result is something that sure. the whole is greater than the sum of the parts you know it, yeah yeah i think i saw that we you did guys had we gone did to yes together or you something? did you, you did read that correctly school? so so <laughs> our our yeah so our origin story is okay. that um the three of us went to grad school together at ucla film school there um we had come to la from different points in okay. time for different reasons but all i kind of wanted to write and create and make films and i'd gone to usc for undergrad and worked uh, in the business for a little while and and had been a screenwriter and and had sold a comedy project and had a couple other things and so i i i went to grad school at ucla at a time when i was kind of trying to figure out what kind of writer and filmmaker i was going to be you know i'd written and i'd written in different genres and i had i had I realized I was a pretty good mimic. I was good at mimicking other types of movies, but I hadn't yet figured out what my sort of style was. And I met what would become not only my two collaborators, but two really good friends, Simon Herbert and David Whelan. They were both there at the same time I was. Um, and and our, our sensibilities were, were a fit in terms of uh, creative styles, but also our personalities were a fit. And that's kind of where our friendship began. And there was a, there was a group of us who stayed together, stayed friends after we were done with UCLA and, and we helped each other out as far as reading each other's stuff. And there was a collection of about half a dozen of us that got together on a regular basis and all of whom have been working as professional writers in some capacity or producers in some capacity since we got out. So it's a good, strong brain trust yes. of people. It's a good group of friends. And it, w- within that, we kind of, you know, we stayed in touch and we never explicitly said, let's go make something together because we were all writers and you know, if I'm being honest, we were all competitive, right? We're all, oh, you know, we're all sure. creative and driven, and, and that's I think that's part of the nature of oh, the yeah, business. Yeah. Um, but uh, Dave and I were working together. We were uh, we were writing and, and kind of producing a, a daily television show that was in the sports realm. And you know, he he and I I think both liked the job a lot. It was a great opportunity for us. But we also we started talking quite a bit about God. It would be great to make something of our own, something that is our voice that is is again, not mimicking someone else, but is in the voice sure. that we want. And, right. you know, and, and so we, we talked quite a bit and, and the way that this thing really evolved was, so he and I were classmates and then we were colleagues on this TV show and the studio here in Southern California would empty out every day at about 3 PM after the show was done. And we'd be sitting there and there'd be this essentially an empty production facility, a sound stage, editing bay, everything, cameras, everything would be sitting there. And so we started talking, wouldn't it be great to just make a movie here? We have all the equipment here. Why would, why don't we just make a movie here? Uh-huh. Now, if, you, if you've seen Savage Land, you'll know almost none of the Savage Land takes place indoors. So clearly we didn't make use of the facility the way that we wanted to. <laughs> right, but, but, right. But, but what it did do was sure, inspire sure. us to start thinking and talking about, hey, what, what, um, what do we want to do? Let's do something. And we were both... You know, very hungry and 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 younger than we are now, and and driven and everything else. And so, 
we started talking and, and um, the initial nugget of the idea that I had was was the idea of telling a, a horror movie through still photographs. There was, there's gotcha. a, the, the, the famous uh, Antonioni film Blow Up where there's the photograph that they develop and in the background of the photograph, you can see that a murder is happening. And so it's one of the kind of the iconic French okay. new, or, uh, new Wave films in, in France and Italy. And so that was not to get too film school nerdy with it, but that was a movie that we thought that's a cool conceit. We could steal that and maybe use that in a horror film, right? right. That, was the, that was the idea that I had. And, and I, I, my, my wife and I were going on vacation to the Caribbean and I actually thought, hey, maybe while I'm there, I'll get some inspiration. We can set this in Haiti and it will have a kind of a zombie sort of voodoo sort of feel. Right. That was that was that was the initial nugget. Sure. Well, sure. at the time, um, and this was this is several years ago. There was a lot of political controversy around uh, immigration in the state of Arizona. They were en- right. enacting a, a, what would be a, a, sure. a very uh, strict series of immigration laws and rules. And this was a topic of debate years before the current presidential administration. This was years mm-hmm. before that. And it was a hot button issue. Right. We'd had debates about oh, this yeah, with yeah. people we w- worked with and. Yeah, living in Southern California, that's a that's an issue that people have strong feelings about on all sides of this yes. thing. So, yes. um, so Dave was sure. the one who said, hey, that concept that you have with telling a story with photographs, let's set this thing in Arizona on the border. Let's set it with this as the backdrop. That was like the thing that really, that was like the, the match to, to, the, to the gasoline. So at that point, we thought, okay, we can do this. Yes. And, our, and our, it started to build from there. So Dave and I are kicking these ideas around and we're fleshing this thing out and we're starting to kind of kind of wrap our heads around or try to wrap our heads around what this this could be. And we realized something. There were a million holes and it just even though we had this idea that we loved that we're so pumped about and we knew that we were going to make, mm-hmm. we didn't we we, we we didn't we didn't solve it. We couldn't crack it. There were just there were there were too many holes. There was there were logic issues. Right, right. And so that's where we, we brought in Simon Herbert. So Simon, in many ways, is the is the uh, the brains and the soul of this film all at once because he came in and he made this movie work. His okay. notes in terms of logic and in terms of storytelling and in terms of um, you know assessing every detail and 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 attacking it, saying, "Hey, this doesn't make mm-hmm. sense because X. Why don't we do Y? Right? Why do we do it this way? Why, what about that way?" And sure, and he he was the one who I think kind of over really oversaw the logic and, and the real sort of tangible way that we told the story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it, what's cool about this is, is that mm-hmm. we all brought different things to the film without which the film doesn't exist. You right, know, right, I, right. Th- th- without Simon's kind yes. of creative yeah, and editorial yeah. influence from the very early stages, this movie is either a total disaster or it doesn't ever even see the light of day. It just, it, it just, it's, it's not even a, not even a thing. It doesn't, sure. not even a thing that can become undead. It was never alive to begin. Yeah. With, right. And right, so, right. And, and, and but again, like without sure, Dave's right. master stroke of saying, hey, let's let's drop this into this political cauldron to really give it some give it some meat. It, it was just kind of it was it was a half concept before that. So I, I really the, the best films are collaborative. And, and, and yeah, look, yeah. look, the, the, they're all collaborative. Yes, but the best yeah. ones are the ones where 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 everyone makes each other better. And, and the idea is strengthening each other rather than water it down. And. Cert- certainly in this case, we feel like that's what oh, yeah, happened. Yeah. It was stronger because everyone had their own sort of creative input and impact in the film. Yeah, well, yeah, you definitely can accomplish more when you have the willingness to work with each other like that where somebody else can see the flaws in something 
that you might not be able to recognize because it's your idea and you have a harder time yeah, finding the yeah. flaws in it until someone points it out. And then if you can be open to that criticism, obviously you can make these improvements that you wouldn't be able to do if it was just you by yourself or just Dave or exactly. just Simon and by actually, themselves. You know what I mean? So, and uh, we've, we've talked to a couple of people though, just about making movies in that same sort of fashion where it's this team effort or they go like, hey, well, what if we do this or do that or, you know, it's it's definitely a common thread in uh especially in modern movie making where everyone is kind definitely of and to that and end you know in, whenever so. we started doing this um you know that then the way we made this movie which was really a three-headed monster we all participated in the writing we all participated in the directing and the producing and the story development and and it was yeah. a real collaborative effort in every sense of the word but we had people tell us like hey this this is pretty unorthodox you know, usually for for a film, there is a chief sort of creative vision that right there is right. the director. There's the auteur who has his his or her stamp on the movie that 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 is that is unquestioned. It's it's a you know it's a it's a insert name here film right right um, right. But but what we found sure, and sure. so that we we were told that was going to be a stumbling block. What we found was that that's absolutely true. We absolutely dealt with uh, mm -hmm. some creative challenges because of it. But right. more and more, since we made this movie, we see more examples of movies that are made this way, whether that's, um, I mean, look, Pixar is like, they kind of are the epitome of great storytelling. They have this creative brain trust, right? Who they, everyone sort of weighs in together when they're making these films. We see it in writer's rooms for a lot of, um, a lot of big studio franchise films, even Universal's sort of, I think they're calling it the dark universe, right? Where they're remaking the classic monster movies. They've had a team of yes, writers yeah. and creatives. So... We see more and more examples of this, and, and in our in our case, we did it because that's the only way we could get this movie made. This was this was this was a big undertaking for one sure. person, so we needed the three of us. We leaned on the three of us, and you know, almost like a sports team, there were times when one of us was really in the rhythm and it was going well, while one or two of the others were off, and so we picked each other up. We helped each other out. Yeah, and 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 let's be honest. We had days, sure, sure, and sometimes weeks where we didn't see eye to eye. <laughs> right. There's definite creative tension right, that right. happens. We're all smart and driven and have our own ideas, and so there are definitely sparks that fly. But you know, yeah. we got through right. it and we managed to stay great friends. But also, uh, we feel like the movie was stronger because we all felt like we could step up and say what we thought. There wasn't one domineering personality that just sort of steamrolled everyone else and said, "Hey, this is my movie." This was a real triumvirate in every sense of the word. Yeah, there's a definite sure, sure. challenge. I'm sorry, yeah, Paul, to interrupt. There, there's a definite challenge of uh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. checking your ego at the door, right? Like, and and trying yeah. to keep that for going forever because you're right. Like, hey, you know, because that can come up really easily and destroy a thought, a create a project really fast when people want to get that recognition beyond everybody else. You know, rather than just coming together. And in our uh, and, and on the opposite side of the viewship or like a viewer, it's like these are the things that we don't see. A lot of times when we see one name put in front of the whole project where right. there is a, a larger concept. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like as as viewers, we do appreciate the collaborative effort and also, you know, the people who make films that there are actually checking their egos because, again, to get your point across might ruin the film unless right. uh, until unless or, uh, instead of bouncing off one another so that is awesome that that's great that you guys actually put that aside oh, yeah, yeah. and you can work through your differences and still go okay look you know what three of us are writing it three of us are directing it we get you know like the equal credits from 
from this point, even though I might come in and write, you know, you know, five pages and then, you know, you guys might kind of give us little notes here and there. But again, that that group effort was very important. And, and I hope that um, that's a like lesson passed on to other people trying to make movies or just anything in life, really. Yeah. And, and to that end, uh, even things like, you know, we developed a two thirds rule. So if we were at an right, absolute right. impasse, it, we agreed two thirds were going to carry the day. And right. I can tell you, Perfect. we all we yes. all ended up at various points in time as the lone one third out. Yeah. Know, odd man out. But but I, I don't know if I would yes. like that. But, <laughs> well, but I would it, be you know, it's off. a process. Yeah, it is. Totally. But but yeah, again, yeah. it's like yeah. it's like, it, you know, over time, everyone ends up on both sides of that ledger enough that we knew each one of us was committed. We all did what we needed to do to make the film as good as it can be. And, you know, there were even things that, that, you know, on a very, very basic level, the way the credits are listed were alphabetical. And I, I, it's, it's, it's lucky for me, I guess, that my last name started with, with a G and there's where an H and a W, but we actually talked about, why don't we switch the order up for each category? But we, you know, the decision was, was, Let's keep it simple. It's alphabetical. So the, there's nothing else to be read into those other than that was just the simplest way. The, the contributions Correct. in each category were consistent and, and, and pretty evenly balanced throughout. So that was another part of the filmmaking process that was fun. Smartest way. Hmm. Yeah, I always think that's the so, smartest way. Every time I see, yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, appearance in order of you know alphabetical, whatever, right. I think that's the smartest thing ever to do. <laughs> because, again, that a group of people, you want to honor everybody in their late. Sure. You know what? Easy way. Alphabetical or um, you know, uh, credits of, you know, who starred for like in, in a, in appearance order kind of deal. But yeah, yeah, we get Definitely. it. Yeah. Uh, so before you had mentioned about the, uh, so, so the, this movie, um, it, it has sort of this underpinning of a social commentary about the, right. uh, the, you know, the racism in Arizona and the border control and, uh, you know, the, I guess the human mm-hmm. rights issue as far as these immigrants, like, well, yeah, they didn't get here right. legally, mm-hmm. but they're still human beings, you know. And uh, something you still, right. you know, hear that same stuff now. That was only a few years ago when you guys were were researching that. But um, as far as that topic, was that something that was particularly close to either of the three of you, or just something that you felt was very relevant? And the the time frame, I didn't know. If, you know, either of the three of you had any personal connection to it or anything like that, or if uh, it was more just. Uh, it's uh, a great you know, question. In a topical sense. I would say that. On, on a certain very basic level, we all had that. Um, one of the filmmakers is is, is from okay. is from uh, the UK and immigrated here, and obviously that's not quite the same as Mexico to the US. But you know, he right. he moved, He's an immigrant. Um, you know, right, two right. of the filmmakers have spouses that were born in other countries, and so that was that was I would say a subject that was not okay. um, was not unknown to anyone there. But if I'm being totally honest. We didn't show up sure. every day filming at the mouth, ready to make a movie about immigration. That was right. we did not conceive of this as a way to, you know, damn it, this subject is riling us up. Let's talk about it. Now we have strong feelings about it. Make no mistake, right. and we engage okay. in some passionate debates about it, and we continue yes. to feel that way. And yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, it was it, we were glad to be able to tell this story because there were people in our lives that we thought that we we kept in mind who were more directly affected by things like what was happening in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And will still be affected by decisions that, that are made. Sure, we have people who are affected by that, and so you know, we 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 um, we were very comfortable with the fact that we were making a, a a politically charged film that would elicit strong emotions, hopefully on both sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 biggest thing for us, if I'm being totally honest, was 
we thought that that was a good fit for what this subject matter was. And, 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 you know, I think if, if you're, if you see yourself in any kind of artistic way, you, you have to be open to and sensitive to the things that are happening in the world. And if you, if you think you can be, uh, Certainly. artistic in some way, but, but are ignorant on things that are happening in the world, I, I think there's a chance that your art can suffer if you're kind of totally disconnected from the world. So, yeah. so, so, so I, I, I realize my answer is jumping around a little bit, but the truth is, the truth is it's a little bit of everything that you, no, you, okay. you had suggested. It was, it was both things that had personal connections yeah, yeah. to us, but also things that, um, that we felt like uh, needed to be needed to be addressed and could be effectively addressed in this kind of movie. But one one other thing that I, I kind of want to want to mention sure. here, and 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 this is something that we had mentioned in some of the previous interviews we had done. We we uh, there's a there's a depiction of portion of Arizona and some people who live in the state that is at, at times not flattering. I think that's a fair statement. Oh, um, I agree. Yeah. We have uh, sure. many good friends who both lived and continue to live in the state of Arizona. I don't think that the, 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 the characters that we created in, in that state for this movie are not any different than characters you might find in California or Nevada or Texas or Florida or Louisiana or New York. Or I think that, I think, I think that the, the themes certainly, and, and feelings and passions that, that are state that are depicted in the state of Arizona in our movie, I think are, are felt, and, and those types of mm -hmm. characters and characteristics would appear in any in any state. So this was yeah, not yeah. an anti Arizona polemic. I don't think these issues are endemic just to Arizona. I think that um, the, the the fact is there were there are a few things sure. that lined up for this film to be set there. One was that at the time we we're making the film, they had a sheriff who was enacting very very serious immigration laws there, and so it was in, it was in uh, Joe Arpaio okay. was his name. And yep. the state was yep. the state was in the news, and those politics were in the news, and so it seemed prime to set the story there, and it seemed very plausible to set it there because it was in the news. And the other thing is, from a practical standpoint, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago that we thought I thought uh, maybe this will be set in the Caribbean or somewhere else, but logistically speaking, it's a lot easier to to make a film if you live in Southern California if you're setting it in the Southwest than it is to set it anywhere else. So the Arizona setting was both a uh, was both a political right. timing question, but also a logistical question that that that, that state answered in, in both regards. So, I just want to kind of put that out there that while we did want to make a fi a, a very fiery, passionate uh, film that that hopefully made a statement or at least elicits feelings, the the purpose was not to go out and and throw bombs at at one state. When I think again, the issues and things that the film addresses. Uh, yeah. can be found in, very strongly in all 50 states, if that makes sense. Hey, so, um, you should you should absolutely. come to the high desert. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Right, exactly. California has its share. We know this. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Certainly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm right by the uh, Canadian border, and we don't have those same kind of problems right, at all. Right, right, right. Trying to exactly. keep the Canadians out. Right. It's yeah, more like the yeah. Canadians and, and are trying to keep us out. There's even a line that character so. in Savage Land mentions that. Like, you don't see them putting a <laughs> border up there, fence up there. So, yeah. So I, oh, yeah, I just, yeah, that's right. It's funny that's right. That, that, that I will say one more thing, though, about the uh, the immigration issue is that when we were making it, Arizona's immigration laws were, were in the news. And so that was the political impetus. And at times we were making the film because it took a few years. You know, we made this around our other careers and lives and other jobs and other projects. That, that, that. That sure. particular political issue went out of vogue. It was it was not always at the at, at the at the front page of the news. And then lo and behold, two years ago, 
when the sure. presidential general election got cranked up, we were given a um, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. It's not going to elicit a lot of angry uh, emails and tweets and responses. <laughs> we, 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 were, we were given a, um, an element on a candidate's political platform that let's just say was not foreign to the world of our movie, I think is a, is a polite way of putting it. Right. So sure, the, sure. the election of two years ago or of a year and a half ago absolutely, I think, kind of gave a little bit of added heat to the storylines in our, in our film. But we did not make this movie because, um, you know, we had a presidential candidate who wanted to build a wall. We b made this movie right. years before that because the issue is an American issue. It's a human issue. So uh, we, we weren't jumping mm -hmm. on that bandwagon. The timing of it all just happened to coincide. And again, yeah. it's like that match to gasoline again. Yeah. And we'll take it, you know. Right, right. And uh, the only scary part is that... Yeah. Um, and I'll say this, I don't care, because we have a pretty liberal audience and we're pretty liberal right. here. Um, yeah. is, is that Donald Trump's going to get a hold sure. of this uh, a savage man? He'll look at it and go, see, this is why I um, was right. <laughs> um, we were right the whole time. And, and this is where he gets his news, right, from like from movies and stuff. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, there, I mean, look, that's the scary part. There are going to be. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, look, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's a president who came from pop culture and, and, and right. business rather than politics. Right. So, yeah, it's right, we right. thought of, we thought yeah. about that, actually, about how this film would be received no matter where your political views are. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. I, I think, God, I, 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 cause I, I could swear that I remember, uh, you know, a, a George Romero interview where he talked about that. And, you know, another film that we loved, loved, loved and referenced a lot in the, making this film was District Nine by Neil Blomkamp. Yes. And and, yes. you know, that 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 the apartheid okay. issue is is as clear and obvious in that film, I think, as immigration is in our film. And right. We just love that he didn't hide from it. He's like, here you go, boom, like it's in your face, deal with it. I'm yeah. telling you a story. It's an awesome sci-fi thriller, but by the way, you can't run from the politics of it. And we didn't want to no. run from it. You know, the, this is, the, I, I, um, think I, yeah. I think I think sure. I'd say to say, we don't live in subtle times. You know? No, so you were a hundred percent correct on not running with and, and actually going with that subject matter because again you didn't make it to where it was overboard really you really took like something where it was a newspaper article where you can read any time today and it's those views we hear those views on both sides of it every single day and you're right for like the past you know few years especially living in California and mm -hmm. and Arizona was definitely in the news here so no you you're definitely right on. The three of you guys were um, dead on to put that subject matter in because, again, you used it as a backstory to fuel the the whole, um, you know, we need we need a scapegoat. We need somebody to blame for the what, what was going on in the movie and all that. So um, but, it, you know, hey, those sure, those sure. views do exist. You didn't make it up either. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's it, 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 that's yeah, one way to it, put it, it, too. Totally, Marco. And and to that end, we we know that, you know, there's that famous studio uh, chief in the golden age of Hollywood who kind of famously said, if you want to send a message, use Western Union. Don't make a movie, right? Like it was, it, people don't, <laughs> right. people don't yeah. tune in to, to get lectured at. And, and you know, we, we, we were aware of that. And so we, we yeah. had a, um, we, 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 we knew that politics notwithstanding, we still had to make an, an interesting movie. And so we, we really, yeah. we knew it wouldn't work if the movie wasn't interesting. It would just seem like, you know, just sort of like ham-fisted, political sort of uh wannabe allegory and some sure, people sure. felt that way anyway i mean sure. i'll tell you right I, I, this is a, this is a this is a it's funny now it wasn't funny then but <laughs> right the film the film 
made its debut. It was a it was a rough cut. It debuted at Comic Con back in 2015. A, a rough cut of the film. It was kind of a work in progress. And mm-hmm. um, and you know it, again, okay. it wasn't done. A lot of the a lot of the. Uh, I mean, it's it almost makes me cringe to think about the state the <laughs> film was in when we showed it to people. But um, but you know we we showed it there at, sure. with the film festival that's attached to the film and. Um, and the great Lynn Ween, who has since passed away, who was in the film as the photographer, and he's the, of course, the uh, the creator of Swamp Thing and and, right. and 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 Wolverine, and he's just he's a legend. He's there, and we had we had what felt like um, a few dozen people, but I think we probably had about a hundred people in a, in a giant ballroom that that seated three hundred. So, but uh, but we screened it there with 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 family and friends and a, and a nice scattering of people, uh, fans who dropped in and wanted to see the film. And we knew there was going to be a Q&A afterwards. It was our first Q&A that we had done in public. We'd done a few interviews before, but we'd never done a, a Q&A in front of people before. So we had rehearsed. We had kind of, kind of practiced a little bit. Just, what, just who would say what, who would answer which question so we weren't stepping on each other. And again, it's, tri- right. it's a triumvirate, right? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, and, and two of us are very, uh, myself and another filmmaker, it can be very long-winded. And the third one is, is, a, is a man of more economy with the way he speaks. So we wanted to make sure that we were all kind of getting our time and getting the points across. And we practiced questions. And I'll tell you, we probably couldn't have been prepared for how this thing started. So the screening ends and, and there's applause. Oh, no. It's pretty well received, even though, it, again, it wasn't the finished product. And this guy, the first question from our first screening of our first film ever, <laughs> yeah. the guy gets uh, the guy takes the microphone. He says, first of all, I, uh, I really liked the film, thought it was really well made, very thought provoking, very creepy. So good job. But second of all, and my question is, why did you feel the need to have so much race baiting in the movie? Oh, uh, yeah. Our very first question is about race baiting. <laughs> I mean, talk about like a fastball uh, right up near your chin and your first at bat. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, we look at each other sure. and our response is basically, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. Right. Like, let's, right. let's make yeah. sure you get that out of the way. And, and we had to kind of address yeah, it right yeah. away. And, and, and sure. Our, our answer then, I think, is my answer today and, and will always be our answer, which is, you know, we wanted to push buttons, sure, but we didn't set out to, I mean, you and I, the three of us are not speaking on a politics podcast. We did not set right. out to make a political movie. At the end of the day, we were still making a horror right. movie. At the yeah. end of the day, when it's all, when, when sure. the film is completed and it's out in the world, it lives or dies as a horror movie. So the politics are absolutely a part of it. They are kind of part of the soul and spirit of the film, but they are not, this is not just a movie about immigration. At the end of the day, this is a horror movie. And so, yeah, yeah, that, that was, you know, it's, 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 um, it's something we were prepared for. We knew that would be a part of it, of course. But it's, it's, later it's in the, in the, the day, yeah. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, we can Great. we can talk about it, and I'm it's it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting that 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 we actually get to have a say, and that and it it, it actually is kind of gratifying, to be honest, that yeah. it does push people's buttons. That's a that's a sure. that's a quite a thrill as a filmmaker to to hear that and to feel that. But you know, what when we really wrap this thing up and put this out in the world, the purpose of the movie for all the immigration stuff and everything else and the racial mm-hmm. issues. The, the purpose of this is was to make a horror movie that creep people out. And so absolutely threading that needle is tricky, but, but we think, uh, and, and I realize I've used a bunch of cliches and when I, when I'm trying to sum this up, but <laughs> okay. you know, but, 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 but really let me, let me throw out one more cliche. Okay. Finding that happy medium was, was key for us, but really being able, being able right. to make the political statement. Sure. But being able to deliver 
a horror film that satisfied those fans was yeah. was the ultimate purpose of the whole thing. Right, right. Sure, sure. So, um, sure, I, I have a few more minutes. If, yeah. if you still have some time to talk, um, um, I wanted to kind of hear a little bit about the actual nuts and bolts of making a movie like this because when you when you actually watch it, um, you know, it's it's all kind of strung together so seamlessly where you feel like this is uh, all things that kind of happen in this linear timeline. But as we know in movie production, it's not like you said, okay, let's shoot the scene for the next 15 seconds and then I'll shoot the scene for the next 15 seconds. And so how did that kind of all work out as far as with your co-directing and and all that stuff that you guys had done where, um, you know, you kind of mix these different things where you had the, um, you know, police procedural stuff and you had the TV show stuff and you had the interviews with people and, the radio programs and stuff. How did you guys uh, kind of first work of all, all that out? The 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 most important thing I feel like I have to relay beyond the fact that it was a triumvirate was that we had we had a handful of uh, of mm-hmm. additional very close collaborators that um, that th- that this okay. film is nowhere near as good as it is if not for their talents and creativity and and, and skill. Um, one of those is our director sure, of photography sure. uh, Turner Jumanville. Turner shot on something like eight or nine different types of cameras he shot in fi- on film the the photos are on nice. film he shot on video he shot on standard definition he shot on hd i mean he he he, he managed to acquire cameras sure. managed to find filters and try different lenses and styles and stocks and uh, he 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 is pound for pound one of the best dps you'll find because the versatility he showed in that film is 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 to me is yeah, really impressive yeah. because you have interviews oh, that are yeah. shot. They, they look at stage and as gorgeous as what you'd see on 60 Minutes or something, right? I mean, it's a right. high-quality shoot. But then he manages to shoot things that are sure. very gritty and raw that they look like they were taken by some amateur stumbling through the desert. And so yeah. his ability to bring those different styles together is part of what makes this movie great. So Turner yeah, is, yeah. is a huge part of it. Um, our re-recording mixer and sound designer, Kent Verderico, also really helped give this thing a different kind of life and texture. His ability to sort of layer in the sound. We knew that sound was sure. is the biggest place that indie filmmakers go 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 off off of course. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's when a film looks cheap and hacky is when mm-hmm. it doesn't sound good. And Kent kept us from from that from sure. that. And and he was indispensable throughout. Was a real trooper and and did such a skillful job of thinking and balancing all these different. By the way, he's different sources and, and different sound levels and sound qualities, and, and he, he was kind of a wizard with this stuff. Uh, the, the, the score is by sure. uh, a group called Soviet France, Z-O-V-I-E-T, Soviet France. And they're, they're, they're a British duo, and they kind of specialize in, in ambient sound and electronic sound. And, and they hadn't seen any of the film whenever they started scoring the film. They, they, they were, they were they're close friends of Simon's, and he had... You know, he had helped deliver a creative brief to them and said, here's what the film's going to be about. Here's how it's going to feel. Here's what it's going to look like. And these guys delivered something that was this, it was an experience to listen to it. It wasn't just yeah. a score. It was a it was its own immersive, hmm. weird, twisted world that was just incredible. It's like, I love I love the stuff that Trent Reznor Less. and Atticus Ross do when they score films. And this, in its own indie way, made me feel like that which yeah. was even mm-hmm. far far better than we could have dreamed. So what those guys did with the score was was just magical. Um, and then and then then there there are um, sure there are two people who uh, I, I I need to kind of end with this because while there are many other people who were, were tremendously influential in the film sure. and the, 
our two editors. Yes. Were, 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 yes. I mean, as you, if, as you guys know from watching the film, this is really in many ways an editor's movie. And, yeah. and, and when I talk about the triumvirate yes, of is. the three filmmakers, I need to talk about the duo of the editors. So they're both named Matt. The first editor was Matthew Smith. He, he, his, he, a lot of his work has been in television and, um, and he's used to, he's used to working okay. in, um, tightly formatted television shows where the producers know what they're doing. In this case, he's working in a very loosely formatted production where the filmmakers had no clue what they were doing. So <laughs> Matt hung in there with us and assembly <laughs> edited the hell of this thing and really sifted through so much of our yeah. indecipherable gibberish and garbage for years, <laughs> just stringing together enough to make the film mm-hmm. seem at least sort of coherent. I mean, honestly, he took nonsense and, and, and gibberish you know, at times and helped get to get us to where it was a coherent, almost almost recognizable film. Like he, I can't can't tell you what a what an incredible sure, sure. job he did. Yeah. And then, and then you know, and I think a combination of him just having delivered some spent so much of his life on this project, and then having other projects that pulled him away, he had to step away from the film. And then we brought in Matt Eagleson, who is kind of an editing dynamo in his own right. He's he had done documentary work, and and really got sure. the, the language of this film and was able to kind of, you know, thanks to Matt Smith's edit, Matt Eagleson was able to go in and really elevate the thing to something that kind of approximated our, uh, our, our vision. And he helped really deliver it. And I mentioned before about Turner and Kent working with different formats and different media. The, the editors had to do that and then, and then some because they're, yeah. they're, they're having to bring in, I mean, these guys are mm-hmm. having to find hacks to bring in programs to handle forms of media that, that their normal editing systems couldn't handle. And I mean, it, it was, uh, it was amazing. So I, I just, any discussion of the merits of the film needs, I think to single out those people because they were phenomenal. And we had other people who, whose work is, is, is also indispensable and crucial to the film. But I, those guys, I think deserve a lot of the credit for how good the film is. Um, sure. in terms of how we made, sorry, go ahead. I, uh, oh, I was going to say over how long of a period of time did you like film all of these scenes or like, did you kind of evolve through the filming process where you're, like you had sort of a, a certain plan and then you were like, Hey, what if we shot this thing where we have the, you know, the sheriff doing his public access show or just, you know, for example, something just kind of came to you out of the blue and you're like, it was really more the latter. And quick. that's partially why the film <laughs> took as long as it did to come to light okay. because we, we had a, we had a working outline sure. script meant that we really wanted. And in some ways we sucked to it, probably about half and other ways it evolved and changed. Uh, we shot the interview. The, well, yeah. I would say we shot the actors as if they were interviews. So we actually brought questions and had them kind of rehearse general bullet points, but we let them get around to answering the, the questions the way that they wanted nice. to, so that it would have that realistic, naturalistic response and not seem as accurately. Now, as we got closer to the end, we knew yeah, we needed yeah. to hit certain beats and we didn't want them to go on for three minutes. Because some of them can be as long-winded as I am, so we we script we scripted <laughs> we scripted sure, it sure. a little tighter closer to the end. But for the most part, we let them kind of kind of freeform. Okay. But you know, it's exactly as you suggested, Paul. For the most part, whenever we're making the film, we would get ideas. We'd say, you know, what would be cool? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Like we knew that we wanted um, stock yeah. footage. But then we realized, you know, we we want newspapers. But it wasn't. We didn't just want like the headline. We wanted. We wanted editorial cartoons. We found a great artist yeah. named Andrew Mitchell who did editorial cartoons. Great. 
Yeah. Yeah. We we knew we yeah. wanted. Um, yeah, those are we cool. Want, you know, later in the game, we decided let's get some sort of AutoCAD 3D renderings of the town so that we can kind of make this place seem more real. And we had a great architect named Mike Hutaf who designed those. Sure. So we kept. It's just as you suggested. We kept adding to it. It's like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. Yeah. I mean. You know, we, 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 we had a, and this was right. before drones had really kind of come into vogue. We, we, we had seen another, another film that had, I'm sure you guys have seen the Poughkeepsie tapes, right? Have you guys familiar with them? So, so add, yeah, uh, yeah, add that I one haven't to your seen, list. It's a good it sort is, of docu-style uh, horror film. But that film opens with a, uh, with kind of a, a, an aerial shot of the town where the, the horror film is set. And we thought, oh, we we need we need a, we sure. need helicopter shots. We need aerial footage for our movie. And of course, this is such a micro budget movie that at the time to rent a helicopter with a proper rig would have cost like a substantial <laughs> right. portion of our budget. <laughs> right. So yeah. instead, we just yeah. duct taped some GoPros underneath the helicopter and got these guys to take it up for us in the air. And you know, that's the kind of stuff that we just kept adding. It was like, let's do this, yeah. let's do that, and it, you keep throwing it in the mix. Which is killing our editors because yeah. they're like, guys, like, <laughs> right. what is this new interview? Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, but, but sometimes <laughs> the, the documentary style format helped us because we can look at something and say, you know what, this isn't working. We need to rewrite this character, or we need to reshoot this thing, or we need to add a character that will help justify this other character. So we definitely did that. We kept adding to it and tinkering with sure, it, sure. and you know, I used to always think it was ridiculous when I'd hear filmmakers, whether it's George Lucas or Oliver Stone or James Cameron, talk about how they keep tweaking their movies and the movie's not done. It's like right, the movie right. could make a billion dollars and win an Oscar and they think, oh, it's not ready yet. And I always yeah. think that was that was ridiculous. But honestly, sure, sure. this thing was being tweaked up into the moment that Terra Films released the thing on the, all these platforms. Yeah. So, we, you know, yeah. we, no. we kept adding and, and, and it, it oh, really sure. was there was some improvisational things that we added to it. But I would say that the main beats of the story and the main story flow as it happened was there kind of from the start. We had the real scriptman okay. outline of how we wanted to do it from the start. And then the other things were almost sort of the it was the other things that we added really yeah, yeah. were largely texture to help kind of explain it better. Although I'll be honest, the, you know, there were some big reshoots and things that we changed. But I would say the vast majority of the stuff that we kind of added and improv were things that we hoped to help make it a little more realistic but weren't so much structural story things. Yeah, I like the uh, telling the story through the yeah. multiple different forms of media like that, where it's not just one style of camera like you had talked about with your with your uh, DP and stuff, where he'd use the different styles. And um, it kind of reminded me a little bit um, m more in the technical sense of... Um, yes, I don't know if absolutely. Movie, That's one, Bay, another one of our influences. Barry Levinson. Yeah, it's a great movie. Okay, yeah, it, um, obviously not anything like what... The, the same theme of the movie as yours, but um, th that that style mm -hmm. of like security yeah. cameras and and you know handheld cameras. Well, well and definitely you, you, and whatever. You, so yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, you get, no, you, you, you get you are watching. I thought it was a. <laughs> at times, I'm thinking, this is this is real. Like, like how was how it was done and everything. Yeah, and yeah. It, it totally reminded me of that TV show Sightings too, where they had that mm -hmm. you know the yep. obstruction of like here's the photograph of the monster and, and, and it was kind of like there and then, and then kind of whisked away at the same time too. Right. So no, it was, God, that was perfect. Yeah. Right. Uh, sure. well, I think before we run out of time with you, why don't we talk a little bit about what you might have coming up in the future? And then before we close, uh, if we have any like final thought or question or anything about the movie, we can, uh, sure. Yeah. We do no, like a great. one last step. Um, so, so, thing, so obviously, um, uh, 
this this film was was a challenging but also rewarding thing and and mm-hmm. um you know we, we made it around our other sure. sort of lives and creative endeavors and and while we are we are we've kind of returned to some of those um our our, our intent is to kind of go back into this same type of genre so without being too cagey we are definitely um you know between the three of us we have different sort of scripts that we've each written and have been in various stages of developing and or financing and putting together financing for to right. kind of dive mm-hmm. in and by the way not to again be too cryptic but um in different formats so obviously this was a feature film but i think that there are ways to tell these kinds of stories in different ways and we're exploring sure. different ways to do that so um you know sure. a lot of what i do i i i i, I do a lot of uh, documentary type work a lot of it in sports television but a lot of non-fiction type documentary stuff and so being yeah being able to bridge right. those two yeah, uh, is is uh is exciting so we're um yeah i would say we would i would love to be back talking to you guys in the next six months to a year whenever we're discussing kind of the next thing that comes out as a result of savage land so without being again yeah, too absolutely. uh too cagey that, that we are yeah, definitely yeah. kind of pushing forward things in that realm because you know we love horror and we we sort of loved how this turned right. out and and uh we look forward to doing more yeah no that's that's good to hear that you um sure. are are taking a liking to this style, sort of style and storytelling and moving on because again like if we had all the time in the world I, we'd just be talking and talking and you know, like just in lengths especially this movie and horror movies in general and all that stuff so totally um damn the time restraints you know but yeah. still no worries um, no worries yeah yeah dude uh, yeah right. I, I can't wait like right. i really can't wait to to uh see savage land um get into more people's heads and yeah. their things and of course what yeah. you guys and, and i'm hoping that you guys a a real partnership with with uh your team and stuff and try to produce more things yeah just um is that well that was gonna say is that something that you guys are all three of you guys are are doing like hey you know what we make a good team um or is it still too early on in the on this movie trying to get out there and everything no i i think i think it's more the former we know that and we we yeah. know what each other's strengths are and and how we complement each other so the the absolute plan is that we will team up on other things. What I think is probably cool. more likely is that we will team up in a different capacity. So sure. you know, Simon cool. will make a yeah. film that we'll contribute to. Yeah, I'll yeah. make one that Simon gotcha. will contribute to. Dave will gotcha. make his film. So I don't think it'll be another three headed monster. But I think the idea of us sure. sort of collaborating with each other and helping each other get our films made, and sure. each kind right. of having its own sort of uh, fingerprint right, right. and DNA like Savage Land, I think is is definitely in the cards. And so. The other mm-hmm. the other thing that, that is connected to that is, you know, you mentioned, you know, wanting people to find the movie. This is a this is a huge thing is that, you know, for the, for the fans who see it and check it out and like it, when when you go on and leave a good review at a place like IMDb or Amazon or iTunes, um, or even if you're discussing it in a fan forum, whether right. it's on a Reddit or a, a movie mm-hmm. blog or at a horror movie or on a podcast, those things really add up. Those things... Sure. Re- for a movie like this that's made on such oh, yeah, a razor's yeah, yeah. edge of a budget but is um, is is kind of suited for people to find and have conversations about, the, the more people can talk about it and reference it, tweet about it, whatever the format is, those th- yeah. we notice a major, major bump. Every time that happens, we, we feel it. It's definitely useful. So for those of you who are, you know, for the, the fans of yours who are listening and, and for people that you come across who have seen it or think about checking it out, the, the, the word of mouth, Unlike, you know, unlike a big me- mega Hollywood blockbuster, the word of mouth for these movies 
a movie like ours is 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 everything. It's like oxygen, right? So yeah, the more that we can cool. talk about it, obviously, the better. Sure, sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and to kind of speak on that uh, quick was um, I had got the recommendation from a, f- a friend of ours who is a, f- a fellow podcast host as well. And um, I was, it was just like a Saturday afternoon. I was looking for something to watch. So I put on Facebook, uh, Hey, somebody recommends something yeah. on one of the major yeah. streaming services for me to watch. And then he pops on and says, have you seen Savage Land? I said, no. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes, Oh, it's on Amazon prime or whatever. Yeah. Amazon it. prime. No, yeah. I think it's on Amazon yeah. prime. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I went and watched it and I was like, I, I immediately messaged him afterwards, and I was like, "Thank you awesome. for recommending that so much." And then that's when I told Marco about it and stuff. So yeah, it's it's really and and he had actually rated it as like awesome. one of his top ten movies of last year, and um, I actually didn't see it last year, <laughs> so I didn't qualify, obviously. But um, yeah. if I had seen it, it might be a different story. Uh, but no, I, I I think there's definitely this um, this communal idea to share these things like we had talked to with another filmmaker who had said kind of uh, being a part of this current generation of people where you don't want to keep things right. precious yeah, anymore right. you want to tell everyone about it and so that really kind of gives these things second and third lives and if you can have some unfortunate circumstances that makes your topic right. even more relevant yeah, you'll right. take yeah, however you can get as well, it, you'll but, take it you know <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah um so since you can't talk about anything you're actually making, although although I would love um, to. in a hypothetical <laughs> anyway. world, oh, oh, I, yeah, we get it, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fine. What what would be, I guess, just like a a, a horror subgenre that you might like to try to make something that's not necessarily what you are making now, but some you know something like uh, would you want to make an '80s slasher or like a proto slasher mystery or a monster my, movie my, or something my like that? My my dream horror project would be. Um, would be something that is that is more sort of like a, a a bigger scale monster movie, but that it's gonna sound like a paradox, but that is also sort sure. of grounded in in, in in a little bit of um not not something that is just big and all encompassing like like a like a Godzilla or a Pacific right. Rim, nothing like that. But although I love those movies, like those those sure. are awesome. But but something something with um, a little mm-hmm. bigger scale with of of the monster, but still connected and grounded in some way uh in 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 our in our in our sort of um in the real world so uh you know there's a a movie that i love and this is even i would say considered a a micro budget movie or a low budget movie but it doesn't feel like it is is uh monsters gareth edwards sort of debut film Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. so basically to me that's like that's like the next big step up from what we did because it's still a, an indie film, right? That he's still kind of, kind of making almost semi-guerrilla style, but the right. scope of the effects and the scope of the monster, the scope of the world, in uh, the way he still grounded it, to me, that's like sure. the next kind of thing that, that would be amazing to do. Um, but, 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 but the other, the other, mm-hmm. the other type of movie that I love in terms of horror that that really is appealing to me, and this is Savage Land was this to a certain degree, but I, I really dig like the well-done horror movie that gives you a sense of what things are like when it first starts to get bad. So, you know, I, mm, find, I feel like, gotcha. you know, I feel like the, um, you know, the, the purge series, the purge finally going to the roots of like the first purge, you know, the, when it first got enacted and people sure. first started to lose their minds to me, that's, yeah. I, I, that's like, 
that's mm-hmm. terrifying but fascinating, uh, you know, material to to mine. I know for years they've been talking about an I Am Legend prequel where it's like the early days of the outbreak there, right? Whenever it's things right. are going bad, which they obviously flash right. back to at times in the, in the in the original I Am Legend. Those kinds of movies would be great, and so I can yeah. tell you that we've talked about that in in in, in such a way that. Um, you know, if we ever went back and revisited the world of Savage Land, we probably want to kind of play with some of those conventions too, which is the cool. first kind of stages of how this came to be, and then kind of the latter sort of bigger picture spread, and maybe a hybrid of the two. And so those yeah, are areas sure. that, that I think would be awesome to play with. And and again, I, we started early in, in this conversation talking about King Kong. So going back though, kind of the bigger creature feature that still is grounded in reality. That would be something that kind of bring it full circle. I, yeah. I would, I would love to do. That would be amazing. Very cool. Yeah, I'm curious to see how um, Adam Wingard does yep, with uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. I can't wait. That's can't coming wait. up in a year or two because he's only made really grounded movies, you know. And and yeah. for him to take on a huge thing like that, I can't imagine that he's not gonna. Well, there's a there's a fan base you know? there that you got to please. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And it's again, it's it's a it's a sure, balancing sure. act. But but I I. As long I as, God, there's there, there's so many there's so many great films though that managed to kind of strike that balance that that I, I you know I I I I'm right. optimistic that they'll be able to do it and and that he'll be able to pull it off. I think that's why he's an inspired choice. So yeah, I think those those kind of those kinds of stories yeah. are huge. And again, I just keep going back to like this crazy you know King Kong Jesus of Nazareth comparison I made at the beginning. The difference yeah. in the two films is just is how deeply you engage with the characters in one, and as far as the way the story's told, it has nothing to do with, the, you know, the the, the bigger right. picture of the story. It's really just mm-hmm. the intimacy of that world, and so I think yep. that's the key. Whether you're making a movie about it, one giant monster, or you know, a, a bunch of uh, zombies that overrun a town, or or whatever the case may be, you're 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 trying to connect with these sort of in these smaller moments with these people and make it seem grounded and real. That's the whole trick. Yes. Yes. Sure. Sure. I just had this funny thought of um, if Adam Wingard remade Your Next with uh, King Kong was in the house and then he was being home invaded by Godzilla and other you know listen and other kaiju I, I, I monsters. Tell you what, that's box office gold. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, let's, yeah, let's be real. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So. Yeah. But then they were actually right, wearing exactly, the animal yeah. masks like it's in your total, next it's, two. Like, it's like the Ready Player <laughs> One of horror movies. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, before we wrap up here, uh, I think we'll each uh, kind of give a, a final a final stab okay. here at you before we let you go. Um, I am going to kind of play off of, uh, off of um, what you had said there with uh, the Savage Land prequel, and I was going to say, uh, do you do you feel like the story is actually done being told as far as the progress there? Because obviously it, it uh, we won't give away any spoilers because if people haven't heard it but or seen it yet and they're listening, mm-hmm. but it's it's left ambiguously obviously. So uh, w- would you guys have any interest in continuing the story or um, giving it off to somebody else to continue the story? We see happen a lot in these type of things. Or do you like to just let well, it end where you're I, I think ended? we we are all pleased with where it ended in terms of the scope of the story. And so I think we like the notion of something left ambiguous. It did, thing, things in our world and in our sort of creative sure. mind don't have to be perfectly tied together and pat and 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 wrapped up. So mm-hmm. the fact that it's left vague and there's questions, I think, is uh, is part of what we wanted. That was sure, partly sure. by design. Uh, having having said that, 
I, I, although there are other stories that we all, that the three of us want to tell, and I think that we will be going forward intending to tell, I, I would definitely not rule out going back into that world. The difference, I think, is that we would, if we'd want to do it a little bit of a bigger budget, not because we'd have more expensive effects or bigger stars or mm -hmm. bigger trailers or any of that crap, because I don't think that that has any impact on the quality of this this particular story. Right. If we could go back, right. there are some things that I think if we could expand the world that we'd probably like to do. But I would say between now and then, the uh, there, there are other sort of unique stories that we want to tell. And, and, and maybe um, if we were to come across someone who had the opportunity to tell a, a kind of a new iteration of this story or a way to expand the world, we would love it if we create a sandbox that other people want to play in. So, yeah, I would say... My, my, my cop-out answer is all the above, but for now, we're very happy by leaving it open-ended because that's the movie that we want to make. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely um, kind of come more into favor these days of, yeah. of not explaining everything, too. I think people kind of like that approach, as long as it's done right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that was kind of my, yeah, uh, my final thought on that. More of a have, statement Marco? than anything, right? Just... um. Uh, I I love the way you guys ended the film, and I'm like, and I'm not going to want to get away because there's hard people that want to listen to or watch the movie and and be unspoiled. But um, and I also like the that you never put a label on everything as far as the monsters, and the horror mm -hmm. elements in it. You know, we say we say zombie, sure. but you know, you can use your imagination. You you as the filmmakers know exactly who you made, or maybe you don't know who you made as the monsters. And um, I just want to say like I appreciated the fact that um. We didn't get a a solidified what is going on, or as far as the the horror element of the film, because right. I have so, so many different right. ideas, and I'm sure that off the air and stuff, well, I'm going to talk about it with Paul and everybody, and and say this is what I think, you know. So sure, I love the fact that um, leaving a film that you that you're giving the audience enough clues to kind of be smart about it and plug it in, plug things in. I thought that was fantastic um well, I, 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 yeah you know I appreciate and, it. yeah cool yeah and again it, it, without taking up another five hours talking about because we could i could do it i could do it with especially with this, yeah. this movie i can take up all your time <laughs> and pick your brain about every everything you know so um but no i i do want to just uh uh say thank you very much for coming on and it's been a great talk also um not to close out the show, I'm just saying, like, you know, this was this has been very, very insightful and very cool because um, I, I love when we can discover a film, especially doing this podcast. I've, I've had the opportunity to get into this world that I love a lot more, you know, and um, yeah, so I'm going to do my best to promote this film as much as much as I can, because I really enjoyed it. I, I th thank you. I really appreciate it. And again, I think sure. what you hinted at sums up what I had said earlier in the show and that I really believe, which is, you know, horror fans are, are, are the most sophisticated movie fans you'll find. And, and, and I think more and more viewers like this sort of uh, type of open-ended thing where they can kind of use their own minds. And that's what we yeah, want to do yeah. in a movie that challenge people. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the sentiment. And of course, cool. we will welcome any of the the promotion and talking about the movie that we can get. We're, uh, yeah. We'll take it. So we definitely appreciate it. Cool. cool. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So, is there anything that you would like to promote now, as far as uh, where people could follow uh, you guys, or any future productions, or a website, I would say, or a Twitter yeah, I would page, say or the, anything the, like that? The, the, the best thing that people can do is is go see the movie, or find the movie on it's Amazon Prime and iTunes. Um, see the movie, watch the movie. If you like sure. the movie, review the movie, tweet about the movie. Just keep it out there in the zeitgeist. Keep circulating. Keep talking about it. 
because every little bit helps. So I would say, yeah, find it on Amazon and iTunes and uh, and watch it and talk about it. That's uh, that's that's the best we can ask for. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll put a link. Uh, I always do in the show description as far as where people could either buy it on iTunes or or stream it, or if they don't have Amazon Prime, they can uh, you know they Perfect. can rent it at least through there. So. Uh, good, and I think uh, you know we're we're all good with that. As far as uh, for us, you guys know where to find our show if you're listening to this, so we don't have <laughs> yeah, to right. all that. And uh, yeah, uh, no, thanks so much for coming on. This has been great. Uh, you've given us more time than we even expected, which is awesome because uh, one of the things that we kind of started when we talked about the physical release of these things is kind of dying with the physical media is additional right. information mm-hmm. commentary tracks or behind the scenes and stuff and so that's we've kind of been presented with a few opportunities and then started to pursue these to kind of get these stories of the movies sure. whether there is a commentary track or not but at least we can have people like you on to kind of tell us not only what went into actually yeah. making the movie but what you were thinking yeah. about when you made the movie and what Great. you were inspired by and stuff so and I think people really like to hear that and it kind of gives the movie a little more of a, a personality when people hear you talk to and then maybe check it out cool. again or, or for the first time. So. so yeah, we really appreciate the time and we'll make sure that uh, we get Great, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate the conversation. No, all right, take no care. Problem. Have a good evening, man. Yeah. All right, you too. Thanks. All right, thanks. Yep. Yeah, I, I had this funny feeling. Like I was first. It was acting weird, and I was like, man, I should probably just reset this thing. Oh, did you? Yes, he hung up oh, hey guys, do you still need me here? Oh, sure. Hey. No, no, sorry, I, 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 uh, I hit the call no back worries, button no as worries. you hung up by accident. So. All right, thanks a lot. Have a good night. All right, take care. Uh, All right, take care. Uh, no, we're good, thanks. Yep. <laughs>